Welcome back to Calling the Audible. Week two, or we're halfway through week two, recapping what we have had well, no, done. Week two's done. Well, yeah, I know, but I, I know, but you know what I'm saying? That, that the whole week is broken into two, right? Like week two, yeah. and week three begins Thursday, Friday, moving forward, right? So it's That's one of those. So we've ended, but we've ended all the games for week two. Exactly, exactly. It is Calling the Audible, episode two of spring 2021. PZ Delarizzi, Eagle. We're back in studio. We are. We'll have two thirds. Two thirds. I'll be back soon. I get my second shot in the coming weeks here, and I'll be back ready to go here, boys. It is a hybrid, but I will say, Mo, I missed being here. My voice sounds amazing compared to using a USB mic. Um, Eagle did all the <laughs> setup work for me, so I can just work on the show instead of having to deal with you know setting up my own studio. It's so much better. My God, I missed being in studio. Well, not only that though, piece, right? Like Eagle is pretending to hammer the the wooden panels behind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the real wooden <laughs> panels here. Yeah, I, I I always like doing this just to kind of do a little bit of behind the scenes. This is what the wall actually looks like, <laughs> and that's what we make it look like. Yeah. So, by the way, before we dive into it, because again, we want to make this as interactive as possible. So, a reminder to send us your stuff through Instagram, Facebook, all the social medias that we have at FPF. And we want to incorporate as much as we can, which we will. We're going to start delving into that, into this episode moving forward. Uh, Eagle, just before we start, um, how popular was our first episode last week? Did we like do like major TV numbers here? What's going on? So let me go check this. Actually, I can check the numbers. We had almost 200 views. All right. Okay. And that doesn't include our audio downloads, which I am pulling up right now as well. Okay. Yeah, uh, right. let me see stats overview. We're, we're more than some uh, some uh, other recreational. We had, yeah, we had about uh, 30 downloads in our first week on that. People like the YouTube format and everything. So, yeah, Good. D- definitely a, a back back up to our usual numbers. I know we had a little bit of like smaller uh, audiences at one point in time, but uh, this is definitely yeah. a big spike and I'm super happy to be back here. And honestly, you know, this would be a good time to use a call to action. For those who haven't subscribed, please do subscribe. For those who uh, catch us on YouTube and like what we do, um, if you do hit that bell, you do subscribe, you're going to be uh, updated anytime you get new content, whether it's Game of the Week, whether it's Calling the Audible, whether it's some of the new media packages we're putting together. Um, FPF's a pretty amazing league when it comes to, to, to media output. Um, we'll talk about that as we go throughout the show as well because we had a slew of articles that came out. Uh, for new members who might not know that exists on our website. Uh, Mo, I wrote my first article for FPF in like a year. And it was a... Cathedral. How rusty were you? Sorry? How rusty were you? Like um, in the rest so, department. People don't know this about me because my articles are insanely long. I think the, I think the last one was like seven or eight pages. It was like 3,700 words. But I yeah. cut it down from about 15 to 16 because I write constantly. And then, you know, parse it down when I'm soberer. And... Um, Soberish. Yeah, sober adjacent, sober adjacent, yeah. and um, so that's it. Is I I felt as though like day one, I was just I was just rambling, rambling, rambling. But by by the time I got to like the editing part, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, no, this is this is my thing. This is what I'm doing. This is yeah, you know, these are the jokes I can weave throughout the the article. These are the stories I want, the narratives I want. So is um, I I would say yes, very rusty at the beginning, but by the end of it, uh, I kind of uh, realized sort of oh yeah, this is this is the this is where I gotta be. And honestly, like. Looking at the other guys, looking at what Iggy's done and uh, Alexi and even Frank, Frank uh, K- Taylor Colatrell is a new writer for us. Uh, very impressed with the, their early uh, work in the season as well. So we got a great writing team. 
no uh, French content, unfortunately, this season. We just didn't have anyone who came forward saying they wanted to write the articles. Uh, so, but can they can they join though? Absolutely. Eagle to come in now at this point, even though we're two weeks through. You Why can, not? You can join at any time. Perfect. Um, so the door's open. I love spending Rob's money. It's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, exactly. So if you want, uh, you can join on the media team. Just let us know. Let myself know. Rob, Eagle, even Mo, any of us. We all we all talk all For the time. Sure. Uh, we have a very unhealthy and super dependent relationship where we're always talking to each other. So definitely hit us up. Uh, let us know that you're interested. Uh, we want to have more French content. Um, so please, please do uh, come forward and let us know if you're interested. And uh, help me take money away from Rob and give it to you. It, worst case, I can try it. I can be like, nobody wants that. Bonjour, je aigle. Yeah. Bonjour. Mm. And that'll be my article. Yeah, no, that's not So it. speaking don't do, of a. Don't new... let Eagle do it. No, no. Speaking of a new segment that we have, every week we hope to bring the segment to start off our week. We always did the week that was that we saw. We're spinning out now and bringing a visual component to this as Chris Rive uh, does the highlight packages for us. And here is our first one that we're going to unveil to you guys. Hit that play button, Eagle. Dan Lazaro oh, wow, has look at that. an opportunity to really legitimize himself as being one of the best quarterbacks in this league. I'm that guy, pal. Jonathan Svetna, his defensive prowess, guys, his IQ is unreal. Like, he was reading plays. He was baiting quarterbacks. Gab Wiseman just has his team perfectly balanced in his offensive philosophy. They just play Bruin football. I love Dan Lazara, and I always want the best for him, and I like this team a lot. So I think Contraband, I'm going to put them over Braves right now. Dan Lazara is a great quarterback, guys. This is his time to shine. Yeah, okay. All right. What a highlight. It was, I feel like it was this narration of you and I, Pete, of uh, yeah. talking about contraband and that. But uh, those are the week one highlights that we had. Um, you know, Pete, looking at this past week, what we saw, I'll start off with you, Pete, what caught your attention in terms of the highlights that we've had in the first couple weeks of the season? Well, I mean, look, you know, we, we had that conversation last week about, uh, about Dan Lazara and, and uh, contraband. Um, and to me, <laughs> It reiterated what we said. We already know that um, the the offense is something that we think is going to be spectacular. And we see the way Dan's able to place balls uh, and put his receivers in great position. We saw uh, AJ Gomes coming down with that touchdown. And he may or may not think he's sponsored by Nike based on that club. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, he might be a Raptor for all we know. In that, true. In that, also true. In that. 
Yeah. But I love the uh, graphics, the the uh, fire coming off Matt Kerouac's feet um, in the back of the end zone. And, and that, for those who are not familiar, those are Division A highlights primarily with a sprinkle of, of Division some stuff, B. There was some C in there. I saw yeah, C and B as well. Of, uh, of exactly. And, uh, and Miss Nardone as well. Right. And so, and, and Chris Rive and, and the whole production team that will be there week to week doing these highlight packages and we'll play them all, you know, every week before we start off our topic du jour as we dive into Division D to start off yeah. this week here. And, and just a, a quick note before we move yes. on. Um, if, for those of you, if you can, start sharing the materials on Instagram, always tag us. If you're, if you're filming something at the, at, at the field, your game, a game you're seeing, uh, something that you find interesting, please tag us because hopefully we'll be able to download it and use it as part of our content. Uh, we want this to be more engaging. We want this to better represent you, our players. Exactly. And uh, we'll definitely, as we move along here, we'll have that flow uh, streaming upwards and downwards. All right, so Eagles and Peas, let's talk about Division D. Let's do this it. This actually involves our boy Eagle okay. as they tied lockdown against Kiss My End Zone 18-18. I thought it had a real playoff vibe to it, even though it's early in the season. Um, both teams played well, bloodied, busted lips, uh, penalties, a highlight plays by, by both teams. I thought there was some good matchups with Jerry Gallant taking on uh, Presser and how he was. I love that last name, too, to go with it. 1818 uh, here, Pease, I ask you this question. In the long view of this season, this tie, will it hurt or benefit Lockdown or Kiss My End Zone in vying for a playoff spot for the playoffs? Well, it's going to hurt Lockdown more because they're going to start the season 0-1-1. and <laughs> So there's that. Um, as as I think volume 18 of Battle of the Cannolis lockdown versus whatever version of, of Pisa's team is playing um, is happening on Friday. But in all seriousness, I do got to throw Eagle under the bus because I, I messaged Eagle like, hey, how's, how was your game? And he messaged back, tie game 18-18. He left out the fact that like he brought along a sub in Jared Gallant, who of course is slowly becoming a more and more recognizable name in FPF. Uh, as well as just one of the more recognizable figures because he's a giant human. Um, and he makes, he makes incredible plays and did in this game, was, was you know, led with 10 targets from quarterback Buccaneer. Um, and then he also left out that um, Kiss My End Zone didn't have their quarterback in Joshua Vasquez, although um, I don't even know if Vasquez will be on the team starting next week. So we'll see if uh, some of the rumors I'm hearing uh, about that team is true. Um, Another thing that Eagle mentioned, forgot to mention was the rusher had his face exploded by a Buccaneer, the quarterback's chest, um, in, in an exchange between the two. So, Eagle, w- w- would you say this game is an early candidate for game of the year because of how well it was? Because at the end of the day, right, 18-18, no one's happy about the tie, but it had that elements of it felt like it was a quarterfinal playoff matchup that we would see in the opening rounds of a spring or winter seasons of FPF playoffs? No, I mean, it's game one. <laughs> Everyone's rusty. Half the roster is missing. No, clearly not. But hey, Our boy Iggy, though, he was pretty upset, though. You saw how he was expressive afterwards on how he missed that opportunity to beat you guys at the end. Yes, I agree. What do you want me? What do you want me to say to this question? <laughs> okay, so because, uh, hey, it's your team, the first Eagle. Game, both teams are rusty. I'm missing guys. They're missing QBs. They're missing guys. The referees are missing calls. It there's so, injuries that are happening. It's a mess. So first, first thing, first thing, Eagle, I want to know, um, given that we saw Kiss Man's on tie lockdown, eighteen to eighteen. Now I know that 
you guys had, you had guys missing as well. Um, but to see the team quarterbacked by uh, Ignacio Valdez uh, Manzanero, um, uh, Iggy, man, I just hope I said your name right. It's You have so many names. Um, to see the team quarterbacked by Iggy um, and seeing them basically with the backup quarterback tie your team where you have your starting quarterback, A, is that worrisome for lockdown? And B, um, were you impressed by, by Iggy's play? And, and what can you tell us about the Kiss My End Zone team in terms of what they do well? Yeah, that's a good point. I think from a coverage perspective, I think it's Castor Peru. Presser, Charles Presser. Sorry, mm-hmm. it goes by Chaz. Uh, Charles Presser actually did a great job uh, in coverage against uh, our corners, essentially. Best cornerback that I've seen in this division so far. Uh, I mean, that being said, we still managed to drive the field. The, there's a there's rust on one of the interceptions. The other one is literally a bad call. Um, and then from a defensive side of, of like our, our team and everything, blown coverage a couple times, I would say they get lucky. I mean... I think if Kiss My Enzo was at full strength, they would have d- destroyed us this week. But similarly, I think if we are at full strength, we would have destroyed them this week. So, now, now, is, is Jerry Galanta a full-time member or is he only a part-time player for you guys? He's there this week because I'm missing three of my big guys. Uh, Sean Fontaine, oh, Brighton Streeter, and uh, Alexandre Blais couldn't make it for this game. So Galant's filling in essentially. But essentially my choice is those three guys or him. So I'll take, the I'll take three guys yeah. on the field versus him and myself on offense, for example. So, are you guys more concerned about top season or Mean Girls' like bad start to the year? Because Mean Girls had a great fall cup last year. We thought they would make some noise. Top season, for the reason they've kind of been up and down. They have a change of quarterback now. So, is there any concern for them, given how they've not come out of the gates flying like they did in years past? So, in the case for Mean Girls, what I think is that their team – uh, will take a little bit of time to come together. We saw that kind of in the fall as well. And we saw that in the first season where they were, they were growing by leaps and bounds. For all intents and purposes, um, are they, did they even finish a season? Or, or were all of their seasons affected by COVID? I know well, the Fall I, Cup, for example. Yeah, Fall Cup, they were rolling and going because they were really up in our faces about calling them out. Well, actually calling me out for calling them out. But... They, we all thought, even Alexi Dubois, who I was with at Laval last Friday, we were surprised because they lost to a team drawing football that A, didn't have their football with them, literally did not have a football with them. That to borrow from Mean Girls. That's a bad and name war- for your team if you don't have a ball. Exactly. And and not only that, though, they were just, dis- dis- I guess it's their first year, more or less, they were disorganized in getting things together. And we thought, okay, this is going to be a steamroll for Mean Girls. And they lose to uh, to join football in week one. I have a I have a theory about top season. What's um, the theory? You you know, Happy Days, the show Happy Days from the seventies. Yes. Uh, one of the things they say in Hollywood when it when a uh, when a show goes on too long or it's just not as good as it used to be, they they refer to it as jumping the shark. That comes yeah. from an episode of Happy Days where the Fonz jumped a shark with a jet ski or something or a motorcycle. I don't know. Right, right. Happy days. I'm just saying that's where the, the statement comes from. Uh, top season, I think this is a team that's jumped the shark. They're, they're a team that, instead of moving up, have reshaped their, themselves so many times that, yeah, I, I understand the, the, the skills of, of, uh, of Bradley and Brandon Perrin, of Taekwon John, of Hassani Worrell, but I feel like every season they lose a piece and they, they're just not quite as strong as they once were. But they have a good quarterback, though. Ryan McGrath is a guy who's had success playing with other teams. He won a championship with them, right? Like exactly. 
right? Um, so, but the competition's getting better around them, and I feel like they're losing a piece each season because of cap implications. Like instead of moving up, they're losing players each season trying to stay in Division D. Well, I, th- I think Adele's done a good job trying to, uh, you know, put together a competitive team. Mm-hmm. But to only score two points in a league that's tailored for you to score, as you would say, PZ, you need four touchdowns, if not five minimum, to win football yeah. games. They couldn't even hit 10 points. Uh, Fighting Illini are a wagon, though. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. What's the proper pronunciation, Eagle? Alini. Fighting Alini. Fighting the Eenie. So hey, if it's Houdini, this is Elini. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Nobody called him Houdini. Um, yeah, no, the fighting, the fighting uh, Elini are are good, man. Like top to bottom, they, they just have athletes across the board, and I think especially on the defensive side, like you know, they're a team who might get away with much like in this game, only scoring twenty four points and being able to win the game, getting by with four touchdowns. Well, like you're right. That's good the, for a guy like Josh Feeder, who's not, you know, as, as established as his brother Sammy is. No, and of course, his brother now working for the New York Islanders in the NHL. But when you look at Josh Feeder, he's had some quarterback experience. Uh, he's, I mean, yeah. uh, he did sub in a couple of times as a cameo for the old Coyotes uh, back uh, back in 2016, I believe it was, or 2017. But this Elini team. I think this talent around him will make him a better quarterback yeah. early on. And then once he gets more comfortable at the position, I'm not saying he's going to take over games, but he'll be a lot, it'll be a lot easier to, to digest what he sees out there and make the right throws to his pass catchers because they have talents up the wazoo on that roster and they can make some serious noise as the fighting Alini of this division. I hope this is accurate, but um, if so, the fighting Alini scored 24 points on 19 offensive plays. No defensive touchdowns. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty explosive as it is. Yeah, yeah. And we can what check was the, this what on was the, the red zone team conversion? stats tab, which is awesome. What was the red zone conversion? A red zone completion was a hundred percent. Right. So, so yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, like for those who see these stats, we're gonna get better with the score stats because everyone's getting used to the whole process of, of putting the the exact details. But for the Elini, though, that is a pretty impressive start to their season in terms of what they did. And for Josh Feeder, maybe a, a chance to grow in that quarterback position and carry that Feeder last name uh, as a quarterback family of FPS. Yeah. Agreed. So, uh, Pease, when you look at the, the rest of the division overall, mm-hmm. um, I know some teams have only played, uh, only a handful have played two games, and the bulk are still at one game. Uh, is there a team that needs to win badly just to avoid falling to an 0 2 start? Because well, it could slip by the, by the wayside given how the divisional formats are this year for playoff uh, spots. Um, I mean, it's just hard to say because so many teams have played only one. Um, so I'd start with PDs and Negronis just because they're the only team, they're the, literally the only team in the division to have two losses so far uh, after two weeks of football. Um, and they're, what about trap starts? Well, tra- I mean, can I do my analysis of PD yeah. and Negronis first? <laughs> so they're the, a lot of the guys uh, from Fighting Alini, um, they were they were all together. Um, I forget what the team was. Uh, I'll pull it up as I'm speaking. But all these guys, Ari Liberati, Ari Bazov, Jonathan Perez, Justin Frankel, Noah Groper, like these were guys who all played together um, when they played with the process. And um, that team splitting apart, this seems to be a team that is not quite as strong as the process was and not even as strong as uh, the Fighting Alini are uh, this season. 
Um, they they played voodoo and they played blackouts. A team was really athletic and a team with a lot of a lot of uh, Division D experience. So maybe that's why. Maybe you know we'll see after this week when they play top season. But if they don't win this week, I think it's going to be an indicator that hey, maybe this team is missing a piece or two to be to be really competitive in this division. Sorry, Mo. So what was the other team you want to mention? Uh, Trap stars. Um. So you keep doing. They this love to this me. league. You they keep, love this league. You keep doing this to me where you you make me have to talk about uh, Ryan Garber, uh, my first quarterback uh, who I coached in FPF Junior. I'm I'm a huge fan of his, obviously, right? Like, I like what he does. Um, and, like, the dude has one incompletion. The team's own one. He has one incompletion. I would be in fear. He's the nicest guy in the world, too. Like, he's absolutely he's just is. always got a smile, always got a good attitude. But, man, I'd be infuriated if I was him. How do you lose a game and only throw a single incompletion? Although this doesn't make sense because he also has two interceptions. Oh, that so might the, be a uh, bug from a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Apologies to the FPF community. We're, we're working with faulty tools. A new app we have, actually. That's why. He also has 104% completion percentage on the site. 104. Which is unreal. Like, it's unheard of, right? He, but, how can you lose a game throwing 104% completion percentage, Mo? You tell me. It's it's unreal. But the thing is, I, I look at Trap Stars and how they are, and... They're not built to score 45 points. That's not their game. Yeah. You know, and in fact, I remember in the Fall Cup when they were in it, they were they had um, a lot of analysis, mathematical formula analysis percentages, and how they saw teams and what they did on the football field. They went in depth, they showed it to me, they showed me a few pages of what they were doing. So these guys really take it to the next level of game prep and all that. And they rely on their defense to make big plays for them to convert for offensive touchdowns at the end of the day for them. So this might be more of a defensive effort to get them in the field position to work with. And if they get that in their favor piece, they can maybe get 20, 25 points, and that could be enough for them to win a football game this year. So I, I'm inclined to agree, and, and their loss to Vultures, those are two teams that I think aren't offensive, offensive juggernauts. I think those are two teams – with strong defenses that have to find wins in the margin. Um, and I, I say that having played Vultures this week, it was it was a game where um, I felt as though if I get to four scores, there's a good chance we win the game. And that's that's what happened. Right. And so um, that the previous week, Vultures got that fifth score and that was the difference, right? Like that's right. That that was the difference for them. So um, I think both teams are teams that are gonna score sort of middle ground amount of points, but both of those teams in Trap Stars and Vultures, they're teams that I think will have um, sort of elite. They'll be top third in terms of points allowed, in terms of takeaways and so on. I'm worried about clinkers, though. I really am. Uh, watching that, that first game and now as we move towards week two or their second game of the season, uh, they lose the blackouts by 44-13 on, you know, for their first week, and they got leftovers coming up this week in Laval. I don't know if Marc-Andre Deslonier is fit for this division as a quarterback. I think the game comes a lot faster at this pace piece, and that might anchor them down. And if they can, if they drop to 0-2, 0-3, I'm just not sure if they're built to come back and put together a string of wins in a row and come back 5-3 and three going to the final two weeks of the season. Marc-Andre Deslonier always amazes me. Um, he plays these incredible games where he's absolutely on fire. Just all the reads are coming to him. He's a really smart quarterback. He, he understands, um, you know, his strengths and he plays to them. 
the the issue with him at times is he has trouble executing the read like the reads there he makes the right read but then he doesn't execute it well so like he sees the post doesn't trust it then throws it late then it gets intercepted or he you know looks to his right he knows that that read's not there he knows he knows he's gonna go back to the middle but doesn't set his feet properly and then and then an interception comes it happens to a lot of us who are not um you know actual quarterbacks guys who are flying quarterbacks um those are the things he needs to avoid he needs to be a little bit more um he needs to make a decision he needs to he needs to stick with it as quickly as possible he needs to be very assertive and i think overall though it's a good team like jermaine ledoux is, is a very good two-way player uh yeah. maximo do as well uh vincent marquis on this team vincent marquis is a low-key very good athlete uh we've seen it in his time as a mobile quarterback right so we know this guy can move um they have they have strength they have speed they have size um it, it's going to come down to whether or not mark andre desonier will be able to execute his reads at a high level he's got to trust it right i, I don't yeah. know if he trusts it at all and, and it showed in that week one loss to, in laval that you can trust it and they got blown out and they can't get blown up. Just like the traps are, they're not built to score 45 points, but they can get you a, a, a seam of points in a row and make it even beneficial for you. As we go over to Division E, and don't forget, we do have a sneak preview to the No Regard movie set to be released July 17th, I believe. Is it 15th? Uh, 15th. 15th, I beg your pardon. You need to give the right date, Mo. I know. I know. Working. He works two days a week, so it was one of the two. July yeah, 15th. Exactly. Yeah. July 15th. That was a Thursday, right? But hey, we'll get to that movie a bit later on here. But we go to Division E. And I saw this game from afar, and I got I have to give this team full props here because they essentially made menace to sobriety, literally scream uncle, as the Oreo team, which is consistent of high school kids, crushed. I, I was talking to Juwan Edgehill before the game. Most yeah. I cut you off. Um, I was talking to Juwan Edgehill, whose brother uh, Jaden plays on uh, Oreos. Yeah, and he was saying that he was saying two things. First of all. One is that he fits the cap for this team, which would be just absolutely wrecked a division. So I love Juwan. I, I, I want to see him play. I just would prefer if he didn't also play on this team. This is a team that's supposed to be an FPF junior team, but their division folded before the season. Like there wasn't any enough, there wasn't enough teams to put a team into the division. And so this is a team that is only eligible for FPF because of that factor. And they're two and zero, and they're they've been dominant in both games. And as a as a guy who knows a lot of the personalities from FPF Junior, I can say this: I'm not surprised. I ranked them, I think, number two in my article, um, but I think they might even be the best team in Division E. They actually dodged the division. They were division dodgers. Well, they dodged up. Yeah, they dodged, they dodged up, up, right? <laughs> but but I mean, if you're Manchester sobriety, I know it's not the normal team that they would have of, of core guys here, but Chris Williams. Bobby Spaghetti, Spaghetti's as we like to call Bobby him. Spaghetti, right? yeah. Um, Mike Zanobi's in this team. These are guys that have a wealth of FPF experience at mm-hmm. higher divisions, and even they 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 actually won high end games at the highest level for FPF. But Mo, that's a morale the, like the that's the moral making, to lose. The mistake you keep making is you think that experience matters in FPF anymore. It doesn't because guess what? Oreos have years of FPF experience in FPF Junior. They know the game. And they're younger, and they're better athletes. So we're going to start seeing this more and more again, where the upstart teams take advantage in the lowest divisions because minus the sobriety, when they played in the higher divisions, they had Robbie Robinson on the team. They can't have him in this division, mm, so now they not. struggle because they're missing the extra athleticism. And the other teams that are coming in know just as much about the game as they do. So when you look at 
Orioles because their next game is against Melons. And Melons uh, did not have a game yet. They had a forfeit. Um, so in theory, they have not played. And we're, we're through 19 days of FPF. Could I know we don't know them yet fully, Pease, but in this situation that they are in for Melons, could this get ugly given how Orioles are putting up points like they're the Golden State Warriors of FPF football? So, um, Eagle, you can check this to make sure I'm, I'm right on this, please. Um, as far as I know, they're not a team from FPF Junior. But again, I don't know this Mellis? team. Yeah, they're not guys who are from FPF Junior. I just check a couple of the profiles. Um, I, as far as I know, they're, they're new, but they might have played elsewhere. They might have played in other leagues. They might have played in their high schools. They might have played in their CJEPs. I don't even know how old they are. As a, they, for all I know, they're all 68 years old and I'm talking nonsense. But I, I believe they're young. And I believe they're, they're, they're a team from the outside, essentially. So if they're just a group of friends who got together and formed a team, they're going to have a rough first week. Don't worry. You'll learn quickly. FPF is a great league with a great community, and you'll learn quickly. But um, do expect it to be a blowout if that's the case. If they're a team, again, who played in another league or played in their high schools or whatnot. They're all brand new profiles. They're all oh, brand yes. new profiles. So there we go. So we don't know enough about it yet, but... Those, those are the two scenarios I see, Mo, is some experience, even if not FPF, and the game will be competitive or brand new team, and yikes, a uh, rough start to, to uh, their time in FPF. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for them because, again, not to their fault of their game being forfeited and them having a 60 nothing win in the, at the end, but you want to get as many reps as you can. And I know the Sound Cup playoffs are going on and some teams have you know bailed because you want to watch game four or whatever it is. But in a team like this, for Melons, being a new team that, that, that they are coming into this league, and I saw it yesterday with uh, one of the teams that play in Division E. It's rough. He's, it's not easy, man. And I felt for some of these teams because they don't know the rules fully yet. And um, let me get this team's name up here quickly because I, I, I want to make sure I have the right name. Um, and I thought about you guys. The Chevalier de Rohan, these guys are new. And they thought they had to punt the football. Like literally punt. I remember and I was Leo's, in a game once in Division E or Division Six, and it was right. a new team. And they asked, like, so when can we settle for a field goal? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, do we have to get to, like, the five-yard line and on fourth down we get a field goal? We're like, no, it doesn't, doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Yeah, and I feel bad for these teams because, and, and like, the Chevalier, the Rohan, they, they're, they have some athletes in the team. And I was like, you know, they're not a bad team. They just need time to understand the game. The problem is, Pete, that we all know, and Eagle can attest to this, that a lot of these new teams that come into these lower divisions and they get blown out weeks one through six and are getting crushed, don't want to keep up with it because they feel like hey, it's not worth it. We're going to get killed if we keep on going with this well, direction. But, but the thing you, is, get, Gabe, you gain the experience, though. Yeah, you've, you, you've already paid. So you, sh- you yeah. should play just because why would you want to give us money for free? You don't, why would you want to pay extra money for the forfeit? Because you you'll owe money to the team if you forfeit. The other thing is you're not going to get better by not playing FPF. So... My recommendation would be from a guy who took his lumps in his first season, Eagle. I believe the same thing happened to you. Yep. Um, just stick with it. It'll get better. It'll get better quickly. I promise. Just I don't know if it was it. worse back then because division dodging was an actual thing versus now at least we have some control yeah. over it. Yeah. Yeah. Good, I mean, the best teams we, we, will move up and they won't be an obstacle for you in the future. We have border control. We have more border control now than before where teams just did not want to move up and wanted to kill the PZs and the uh, Eagles of the world by like 85 million points, right? So. No longer the case, but look, guys. Uh, ring a bell for me. <laughs> I don't even remember. Triple honest, sixes, man. Classic. We got whipped every week, so it didn't matter. So, 
I, I, I say, guys, let's all pick a team each. And can that's our Orioles? bandwagon. That's well, bandwagon. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if they can pick Oreos. I was going to take Oreos as well. But anyway, no. Okay, let, let's let's team... remove them because, Mo, you and I know these players. Yeah. Like, we so, know so how that, good that's they are. Window. So let's remove them because we know they're one of the front runners, right? Exactly. So let's all pick a team here, guys. And this is going to be our team for the season. And like diehards that we are for our NFL teams or sports teams that we root for, we're going to root for these teams here. And pr- he praised or criticized them as sports fans this year. So we give them a little bit more attention here. So, please, I give you the first pick. Who do you want to have as your bandwagon team for the season? So, first team I want to call out, and I'm not choosing you because you don't deserve it. Quatrium FFC, you took um, a forfeit. You didn't even let the league know in your first game. That's shitty. Also, your name makes me think I'm stupid because I don't understand it. So, can't choose you. I will go with the Bad Batch because I'm a Star Wars fan. I've not yet watched the season um, because I'm still trying to catch up on all the Clone Wars stuff and get the final season of Clone Wars. I will then watch the Bad Batch. And Mo, as you know, in my writing, I use a lot of TV, movie, and pop culture references. Of course. So there will be lots of Bad Batch references to come once I watch the show. So it's it's getting me to watch a show I like and getting to cheer for a team with a cool name. So Bad Batch. I'm going with them. So bad bash is yours. All right, Eagle, you're up next. Who do you have as your as your homer team that you'll be supporting this season? So I'm gonna go with uh, a team that was playing right before us on uh, Brossard last night. Not the senior team, which is what I'm gonna refer to them as in the future, but the junior team, Les Chevaliers de Rohan. I think uh, they are going to need some development work in this season to try and learn how the game works. But I think there's some raw skill out there um, making some big plays on defense. You know, just a little off in terms of the, the synergy on offense. They drove the field but didn't actually score any points. But they managed to actually play the game the way it's supposed to be played. So I think there's, I think there's some hope available for the, uh, the Chevalier. And uh, so that's going to be my team for this year. Okay, you guys are both uh, fools. I'm taking the front runner here. Oscars Hockey School. That's my team, boys. I didn't like them because of the name. Because it's that's your hockey. fault. That's my team's hockey. gonna smoke your team. Look, here's the schedule for Oscars Hockey School, boys. They're two and zero. They got V Town coming up. Menace to sobriety four and zero. You know what? They're gonna beat Green. Green means go. They're five and zero. They'll beat Rainmaker six and zero. They're gonna go ten and zero. Ten and zero. Maybe, but in the finals, they'll lose to, they'll lose to the Bad Batch. Because... No, they'll lose to the Bad Batch. Okay, so what's the bet here, guys? What are we doing here for for this? We're gonna, we have our three teams, okay? You got Bad Batch, Chevalier for uh, Eagle, and I got Oscars Hockey School. I think this is what we got to do, Mo. Whoever, we got to make sure we have it right, though. Who, so whoever finishes with the best preseason record wins the bet, right? I think the two record. losers need to order and send to the winner a box of Mike's Barbecue sauce um, from Mike's Barbecue. They're not a sponsor of our show here, but they do sponsor another show. It's a show called Not Sauce for Work on the Hot Sauce Sports Network. Uh, so if you haven't checked it out, please do. It's excellent. And don't forget to use promo code Hot Sauce10 to get 10% off any individual bottles at Mike's BBQMTL.com. Ross is going to kill us for this. I suck at <laughs> so all the ad reads. He's so going to, oh like, my God, he's going to rip us to shreds. Like he's going to rip. A real one in no, our he should just He should go see the media director and complain about me. Yeah, exactly. We'll have a, like a, a slew of like messages, you know, coming up. Okay, so the bet is what? So we're doing the the hot sauce uh, here, or we're doing like uh, yeah. Also, the they got bet. they got the new truffle mustard and truffle sauce. So 
Okay, so what's the bet, guys? We're, we're doing the, the hot sauce here, or what are we going with? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so whoever has the – is it the best record or who goes deeper in the playoffs? The best record – best regular season record, uh, the two losers split the cost of sending a box to the winner. Okay, it's nice so, to get stuff in the mail. That's not a bill, right? Okay, so Oscars Hockey School, we're off to a 2-0 start. Let's make it 3-0 here. That's what we all look forward to because I definitely want that sauce in my mouth, if you know what I mean. I've often heard that. I've often heard I know. That. I know Eagle knows that very well, exactly. So we have our teams here as well. And look, as for forfeiting guys, I know we've had a few in this league, and and guys, this it sucks. It totally sucks. Pease, you know very well because you've we've all had it before. There's, but in the lower divisions, it just it doesn't help for the development of teams having these forfeits. It's look, and it, it, look, there's one of the teams that forfeited the Trailer Park Boys. I'm immensely, immensely disappointed because I know these guys. I'm I'm friendly with these guys. They're they're nice people. Um, but there's never, I, I, in my opinion, there's never an excuse to forfeit because Mo, I've literally dragged people to the, to the stadium who have no interest in football. Most of my friends have no interest in sports period. And so I've dragged them and they literally don't know what they're doing. And I said, just, you're the outside receiver. Every route, just run as far and as fast as you can. And I well, never not, not far, not far for you, peace. Uh, no, no, but I won't throw there anyway. So just, just take as much coverage as, as, as with you as possible on defense. Try and stand in the spot um, and pull a flag if it comes near you. And I lost all of those games. I, but yeah. I would rather lose a game and play uh, because to me, it's a, it's a great disrespect to your opponent not to show up. Even if you look, if you if you really can't do it, let the league know. But honestly, I even think that look, find a way to feel the team. Call yeah, your mom, no, call sure. your mom's friends, get the Rotary Club going, and uh, and field the team. All right, Division C. Uh, Corey Wolowski is off to a flyer right now. 12 TDs, 1 INT. Least shocking thing in the world. Yeah, and his team is loaded. Like, they have a really good team. Yeah. Is he the best quarterback in Division C, given that he's got a wealth of talent to work with, and he's a really good quarterback and could be the best one in the, the bunch in this division? So, I think from a skill set, um, if you look at skill set plus experience plus the situation he's in, I think he's the quarterback who's best set up for success, and it's on, it's on purpose, right? Like Corey knows the league, he knows uh, how to build a team. Corey Wawaski is a familiar name in FPF for a reason. We know he's good. We know how good he is. Um, but to me, you can't forget about. Jenny Kasadi, who I've been speaking, singing his praises since I first saw him in FPF. The guy is a stud. Um, he's Division C. He'll, be, he'll outgrow Division C before you know it. Um, and Stephen Harpersad, to me, has arrived. This And he's another guy where I think Jenny Kasadi has the best skills of the three guys we're talking about. But I think both Koyal Woloski and uh, Stephen Harpersad are just set up for success between having the, the combination of skills and FPF knowledge, as well as having just these absolute behemoth rosters. So rank rank one, two, three, your quarterback. What or, am I ranking, though? Success um, or, or, or best quarterback? Best quarterback, one, two, three. So number three. Uh, if I'm looking skill skill alone, uh, I'll go higher Prasad as three. Okay, so rather than give me the number two, who's your number one guy? We'll know. So Wolowski's number two then. Number so, two. but like it's also splitting hairs. I think that they, they all know what they do well and they all know what they do poorly. And I think that um, I, I 
would I, do I think B-Ballers win the championship? Not necessarily. I just think from a skill set standpoint, I haven't seen anything in low divisions like Johnny Cassati in a long time. So if you you know how they, in the NFL they talk about, hey, you take A-Rod from his system, put him with the Patriots, would he be successful? So if you take Stephen Harpersad, put him with Gianni's team, B-Ballers, I don't think lost. I don't think we could all ask you with, with Steven's team and so on and so forth here, who would be successful in a different team? I think Johnny Cassati, just because of his arm strength and accuracy, is just successful anywhere. Um, like to your point, like to using the NFL comparison, Aaron Rodgers is that guy who just has that like ridiculous like ceiling and ridiculous talent level. Stephen Harpersod has a team that's built for him. It's a combination of, st- of speed, uh, of possession, of of size everything fits exactly right it's completely manicured for him and set up for success so we look when you look at the uh blessed games coming up piece right they got three tough ones coming up balls deep not a good start but then two weeks piece circle this one on the calendar they will play b ballers in brossard in two weeks and they got sheesh in three weeks at the end of july so we'll know we'll have a clearer picture of how they'll be in those three weeks and they, oh, by the way, they end off the season playing against infantry, which could be for the first season of playoffs. Can we put a moratorium on Balls Deep as a team name? It's not as clever as you think. No, but, you know, it's, it's cute. There's two of them this year. I know. That, that's, that in itself is evidence, right? The fact that so, two people thought of the same joke. <laughs> so, speaking of Balls Deep, are you surprised? Are you more shocked by them being owned to or EZW being owned to uh, to start off their seasons? Um, EZW surprises me more. Uh, EZW is a team I've been high on for a while. Um, even when they didn't play defense, I liked EZW. Uh, because the thing is, is that I like explosive offense. I like that Jeremy White can create on the ground. He has that weird duck move that he does that, uh, <laughs> I heard, uh, Joan Edgehill, scorekeeper mentioned to me, he'd never seen anything like that before. And it was wild. I was like, I know it's the first time you see it, it's, it's actually disorienting. Um, look, they lost a close one against Lego Cook. I think that's a, a fair matchup for them. And I think that if you play that 100 times, they'll win 50, they'll lose 50. Um, the infantry is one of the best teams in the division, so that's to be expected. Um, but I think, I think we'll see a run. I think, I think we'll see them win the next two. And then that, that matchup against Blue Dreamers, I think, is one to, to really keep an eye out for. Yeah, you know, I, I saw Balls D play. And... There's something missing. Like mm-hmm. the the ingredients are there, but they're missing one key ingredient to make it taste well as as a dish. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if there's a disconnect on the, on the offense, but they didn't look good. They, they looked lethargic at times here. And I just wonder. I mean, is it the play calling? I don't know. But they also have a, a tough start to the season. They have back they to back, do. back. They have infantry, b ballers, and blessed. That's a shitty yeah. way to start a season. Yeah, and they could be 0-3, right? But then it could ease up when they have Top Sauce, Silent Ticklers, and Easy W. And those three games could pretty much determine whether or not they're in play for a low-end seed uh, for the playoffs. And and that's why I think after six games, an ideal record for them at minimum, piece has to be two wins. I think if they so can be 3-3, well. three and three, great, because you're 3-3, three and three, going to your final four games, and if you can hit five wins or even four or five wins, perhaps even more, you're okay to get in the playoffs at that point as a low-end seed. I think they're going to struggle against some of the younger, faster uh, teams in the division. Although, 
you know, they, they do have, you know, a guy like Matthew Peacock, who we know how devastating he can be. Um, it just, yeah, like you're right. There's just something missing and I, I can't really place it. Um, but a lot of the younger, faster teams, I think, will give this team a run for their money. Yeah, and that's when they might get exposed a little bit in terms of the uh, depth and how they cover on, on defense. When you look at silent ticklers, because I know you, I know you hated the POP roster from past winter seasons because they're old school. Them. I just yes, was confused by how they would beat me all the time. Easy, you hated them. Okay, you, you it was that is that like that? It's uh, like a Skip Bayless vendetta towards like LeBron James. Yes, it is. Please, hundred <laughs> percent. We lost the game. And one of the guys on our team is currently on an NFL roster in Bruno LaBelle and the Arizona Cardinals. Um, yeah. That's, you don't expect to lose to a lot of guys in their 40s when, when you have Felix Laflamme and, and Bruno LaBelle on the team, as well as my, you know, the normal ridiculous amount of talents we had in that team back in the day. Right. So when you look That's at this roster right now, does this remind you of a POP 2.0 that they can – they're the old team that might have to play that – Sunday basketball YMC style, YMCA style to win games uh, this season. I like what they're doing. It feels like a bit of a reload. They got Charles Presser on the team. Um, they got Sean Bant on the team. And having in sort of Division D, Division C, where you can find an edge is to get guys. And I think you can even do this in higher divisions. It's just higher division teams are stubborn. But I think that if you can find value for a low cap hit, it allows you to then get, you know, J.R. Verger uh, on the team. Um, it, it allows you to to um, to really load up in other places, you know. And it's we're seeing Jordan Panetta is going to be throwing for the team. He's not. He didn't throw in the first game. He's eligible to throw. He's on the roster. I don't see a reality where he's not the quarterback of this team. Um, so obviously the team will look better. With Jared Verge as a receiver instead of quarterback, Tony Corey also took some snaps at quarterback. Neither of them are um, are, are going to be the best option for them, and they play they've played against Blue Dreamers who are just chock full of talent. So, um, I I like the team. I want to see them with their quarterback uh, before I make a final assessment. But I do like the combination of young, uh, lowly rated talent to pair with their more established uh, names in the division. As for a key game this week, Pease, and there is a good one coming up this week. It is going to be the Santar against Sheesh, right? You have two high-scoring teams. You have Andrew Langbert, who has become a, a very good two-way player in this league as a quarterback and defensive player. How does Jordan Rossi pull off a smash and grab to get this victory over Andrew Langbert's squad this week? So the thing that Andrew Langbert does well as a defensive play caller is he makes a lot of in-game adjustments. And if you have a variety of concepts, so if you run a lot of spacing concepts, if you go back to them, especially in the second half, he's going to he's gonna call defenses that bait you into throws, that, that create uh, mistakes. It's, it's the thing I've always appreciated most about Andrew Langbert. So if you have a combination, if you have, let's say, th that series of plays ready to go, I would separate all of your other concepts that don't use spacing, for example. So using a lot of isolation concepts. So that way... Jordan Rossi can go, let's say he gets, if he gets a lead in the first half and then can extend that lead to a two touchdown lead by using concepts that Andrew Langford hasn't seen yet and that his adjustments can't take advantage of, that'll give you the opportunity to get up two scores. And then at that point, um, 
I, I, I think uh, that they'll be, I think Lesantar will, will at that point be in a better position to win the game. Um, they, they played one game and it was a close one, but in typical fashion, Lesantar put up a ton of points, right? So, um, in Andrew Langbridge's mind, he knows he wants to keep it below 30. So if you can cross that threshold, for, you should win the game if you're Lesantar. I think what helps them immensely, Pease, is having a guy like Carm Pelicci on the roster. I think his wealth of knowledge, his wealth of playing the quarterback position to teach, mentor, uh, give tips, feedback is huge. I think the the um, the chemistry that he has with Chris Brockwell, uh, if Hugo Alamayo plays, um, there's guys, Jordan Rossi, that, that he's played with uh, that can definitely help uh, in this roster. So I think they do have a good core in place. But when you look at Sheesh and how they played in their first game, because they, they got surprised and hoodwinked, um, in their first game, I think Langford comes out a little bit more vengeful. Uh, not saying he was careless in, his, in, in the opening act, but I think he's going to be much more assertive in what he reads and takes a little bit more to the next level of his intensity to make sure that he has the right play call being executed when he's called upon. Well, but again, they, they allowed they allowed fifty points. Like they they scored forty two, right? So yeah, I think Langford knows the the thing with this team is he, they need. They need to control the pace with their defense, and the team is built that way. Like Marco Bertoldi, Dondre Borden, Vincent Benjamin, that's a team that should be able to sh- shut teams down. They haven't done it after the first game. They had a bye week. Um, to me, this is this is game of the week across all divisions. I think I think this is just going to be one of the most compelling games, period. I, I think this can really not be a seismic shift in the, in the standings now, but this can definitely have an influence in how these teams will stack up at the end of the year where maybe – the Santar get a four seed or drop to maybe a six seed in the playoffs and don't end up with the desirable matchup that they are looking for in the opening round of, of, of the FPS spring playoffs. So I think it's going to be fun to watch this week for sure. All right, let's talk about the big movie coming up. July 15th, it is a movie that has been in the works for quite a while. Uh, it's our very own the Lance, uh, Scotiabank Theater. Scotiabank Theater. Our very own Lance Daniel, who uh, did play in the league for um, hashtag no regard. Uh, he and Chris Rive have been hard at work building up this movie, this documentary where they've interviewed uh, Eagle. How many people did they interview on this uh, documentary? I think we were about 10, 10 plus? or so. Yeah. 10 plus, right? Uh, 10 plus people. Um, years of footage. This isn't like a one year thing. Like This is going back to when they first came in as Taylor Gang uh, back in 2012, I believe, or 2013. And Last Daniel has a movie out about this football team. And he really encourages everyone to come out to the Scotiabank Theater on July 15th. You can get tickets online on the link that he's posted up on his various social media platforms to get the tickets. And because of Green Zone now, there's a little bit more to be had for people to come show up, support Lance and this project endeavor of his. And we have a sneak preview that we're going to play for you guys to get an idea of how hashtag NR became what they are. No regard basically to me at the time came out of nowhere. Who are these guys posting rap videos in, in the group? It will rub people the wrong way, and it rubbed me the wrong way. Until you beat D-Boys, Montreal's finest, stop talking. We had a little altercation between Montreal finest and No Regard, and I think it was more from outside noise pushing us to buck heads. Whether they're in Brossard, Lachine, or points in between, uh, you're guaranteed to have uh, uh, an eventful one hour of football on the field and off of it with its fan base. We have our first ever hashtag on a uh, FPF trophy. trophy. So times are changing indeed. Cap, cap, cap. go. Get him. Get him. 
This relentless, no regard, no rough. When the spring fall, you know how we ball, how we. When you run with us, you running with some dogs, with some. This relentless, no regard. Okay, so I told you this beforehand, guys, right? So Alex Halak, who was the quarterback of No Regard, there's at a that clip time. at the time. At the time, at the yeah. time, there's a clip of him in this highlight package where he's wearing the championship belt and he does a hip thrust. I think that hip thrust alone should be a documentary by itself. Yeah. We should do an FPF 30, 30 for 30 on um, Alex Holowak's uh, pelvic region. Yeah, you can get a freeze frame shot of that for us, please. Uh, you know, uh, clean act Alex Holowak, who probably doesn't have a rap sheet longer than my I love how Eagles being asked to do this on the fly instead of telling him in advance that we would do this. That's, um, that's how we roll it here at FPF, It is, right? it is. But right. here we go. Right there. <laughs> here we go. Yeah! Yeah! Look at me! Look at me, I'm a champion. Yeah! Bleep yeah! That is the most iconic image of the No Regard franchise. Is that hip thrust by Alex Hallowell. It's it's honestly, it's a, it's a tremendous undertaking. And, and while it's about um, a team in FPF, it does touch on a lot of other teams, a league on the whole. And I think the, the aspect of community that exists in FPF and the reason sort of they riled people up was because you know, they came into a league where there were established powers and they were commanding attention and the community was sort of divided and, and it created a lot of uh, conversation. And again, no matter where you stood in the argument, it, it allowed for a lot of attention to, to, to come to FPF, to come to the division they were playing in, which was, wasn't talked about as much back in the day when I first started working for the media, for example. So it's, it's cool um it was cool to see that all come together in in just that trailer and i'm excited to see the the final resor- result on uh, july 15th yeah july 15th scotia bank theater get you tickets for sure um it's like i guess like lance said it's to help support local and this is a local production of what he and chris rive did together so all the bringing- people all the people at home that were bitching during the during the pandemic about how you know all the pandemic is doing is is making Amazon richer and making Walmart richer and making Costco richer. Here's your chance. This is a chance to support something local. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So FPF's a local league, and and Lance Dine is a local filmmaker. So definitely, if put your money where your mouth is, it ain't even that much cash. Just drop some drop some dough, watch the game, or, or some movie. Sure. If you happen to have any contacts in like media or distribution. Hey, Mo, um, this is another promo he's put together to try and basically put awareness out there to potentially get contact interviews and the whole media hype thing. So pass this around. To flag plus football, statistically the biggest flag football league in Canada. Picked off Moses. From that very league emerged one of the greatest franchises in recreational sports history. No regard were essentially these for lack of a better term, nobodies that had just joined. From there, it turned into Facebook posts, it turned into trash talk, it turned into camaraderies, it turned into music videos and songs and diss tracks, and and that's kind of how it all started, and it really polarized the community. Calling all blogs. On Thursday, July 15th, live from the Scotiabank Cinema, Lance Daniel presents to you his first independent film. Directed by Lance Daniel, filmed and edited by Lance Daniel and Christopher Rive, the two-man production team have combined their creativity to present to you No Regard, the greatest recreational sports story ever told. 
Come out, celebrate, and enjoy the creativity Montreal has to offer. Tickets are available at eventbrite.ca. I could have sworn this is like an Eagle documentary because you see the Eagle part, right? Like, you know, we're in his his certified... I you say that, Mo, yet I wonder who's narrating this film. Uh, that I am, but there's no there, there's no narration of my parts in this preview over here, so... Maybe You're the two voice things. in the first trailer. It's, true, it's just you. It's just you. I, but but that's a that's and, and from like a half a second of me. But it's mostly you. Yeah, but that's a clip that we were talking. Like it wasn't the, what I said for yeah. the documentary, right? So I'm saying that but you're also making... the, you're also the voice of the documentary. Well, that's about Ego's box office though. Making the documentary with his clip about no regard hashtag yeah. NR. So so check it out July fifteenth, guys. Um, when you get tickets, go for it and support local. And, and Lance brings a great point about supporting local. And this is a great chance for you to do so um, for one of our own guys in the FPF community in his documentary about the No Regards. So go check it out and have fun with it for sure. Let's go on to the next topic here, guys, as, as we wind down this week two. Um, we talk about division, uh, co-ed, I beg your pardon. The Fighting Tigers, a.k.a. the Fighting Seth Galinas, are 0-2. They have more firepower to work with here, uh, Pease and Eagle, but I'm surprised that they lost their first two games on back-to-back um, hours on the same nights. You know, you almost screwed me, Mo, because I actually rode Fighting Galenas. They, yeah, they are the Fighting Galenas. Um, the thing, too, is all of their players have been there other than Theo J missed one game. But, you know, overall, most of their players were there for both games. So it does surprise me to see that. Um, and Power Rangers really just dominated them start to finish in this game. Seth Galena, uh, not his best showing. Um, and on the other side, you know, Jasmine Farmer, she was she was dominant. There was just no answer for her in that game. Uh, caught, you know, five or, five or six targets, uh, scored twice. Um, Constance Miller, of course, played a role, uh, as well as Marilou Bellin. I believe Belan was rushing, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that's, to me, that's the strength of, of a team like Power Rangers is that um, I was talking to uh, Alexis Bois, who covers co-ed, and he says the, the hardest thing with co-ed is you need to be able to find the, the, the women that can help you, that can help you really uh, play at the next level because, you know, the guys who can play, we know that Theo and, and Jamie Ogier can play, but you need to be able to elevate them with with the female talent because that's what makes the difference in co-ed. Because you need quality depth, I think. Absolutely, and, and and when I look at Power Rangers, those are three of the best female players in co-ed that are all yeah. on, on one roster. So you could talk about how Fighting Tigers are are, are uh, loaded, but to me, uh, when I look at Power Rangers, because of the, the the caliber of the women on this team, they are a more well-rounded team, and this does not surprise me. Uh, Though the six points that surprise me, it doesn't surprise me that Power Rangers got the win. Can we also oh. give them benefit of the doubt? They lost by less than a score, and then they play Power Rangers immediately afterwards, yeah. right? So back-to-back back games, back games true. arms hurt, maybe, you know, getting back into it. You don't have that energy or that second win to play a back-to-back game. You're going against Power Rangers, obviously a good team. So there's a lot of factors in here to say, you know, maybe if this was on a different day uh, with the same roster, their results would be very different. Yeah, and, uh, and like in the first game, you know, Seth Galina did put up 26 points. He made, he, you know, Francois Delorier only threw one interception. Seth Galina made that extra mistake. That would be costly. That would be the extra possession that party mix would use to win that first game. And again, Emma Racine, another one of these, these women playing at the elite level, 
um, she was the number one target for her team. She scored a touchdown, and and that was the difference. That's a big loss for Ying and Yang to lose Emma Racine. That's yeah. a huge loss Absolutely. because she was on the she was on the co-ed team in the Fall Cup, and she's a good player both ways, two way player that she is. So that's not easy yeah. to replace that. But I'll give you a better team, guys. Third down for what? Sarah Parker, unreal talent. Right? Mm-hmm. That that roster is loaded. You have Kevin Luban, Alex David. Uh, you have Jeremy Murphy, who is a Canadian Rookie of the Year receiver in, in tackle football for University, who's killing it in flag football. This is a team I'm watching closely and how well they, they will fare. And with their start to the year where they scored two games of 40-plus points and their defense is not giving up more than 12 points in each of those games, um, they are going to be a team to watch on. I can't wait for that week four matchup when they played party mix in Laval yeah. on a Sunday night. And that could be for first place and obviously to have the best seeding possible going towards the playoffs in late August into early September. Sarah Parker, by the way, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions so far. She's a really Absolutely good quarterback. Amazing. She's amazing. She's out of this world. And, I, and it's world. funny enough, because I, I was at a Champlain uh, Cavalier football practice back in early June, and it was really hot, right? It was like 10 o'clock in the morning, you know? And and on the other end of the field, there she was working on her throwing motion with uh, with with Jeremy Murphy. Mm-hmm. So she is uh, a student of the game, working on her craft, on her, on her techniques to make sure she's still on pinpoint accuracy. And we're seeing that where she has 10 TDs already through two games of action. I remember seeing her play for the first time in uh, the overnight tournament. And yeah. I looked over to Justin Blanchard and said, man, I wish I had her arm. Like, she's got an absolute cannon. Uh, the fact that she's still working on her throwing motion is the reason why. Is she's dedicated to the craftsmanship of playing quarterback. So would you, would you take – here's a question for you. Vanessa Beery, who we know very well in this league, yeah. uh, played for many years. Would you take her body of success, Actually, Vanessa mistake. Beery? Vanessa Beery, I saw the midnight tournament. I saw, I saw um, Sarah Parker was at an it was at a, an FPF regular season game right. where I looked over and said, "Yeah, that that she's gonna kill her arm." So yeah. Okay, um, so here's a, here's a question for you then: Would you take Vanessa Beery's body of work of her career, what she's done as a as a quarterback, or the unknown potential of Sarah Parker of what she could do for the next ten years at that position? I mean, Vanessa Beery her accomplishments stand on its own, right? Like we all know how good she is. We all uh, have seen it. Um, but I think Sarah Parker is the next, the next incumbent, right? It's sort of like what we saw in division a where Joe Maher was coming for all of Kevin Wyatt's stuff. Right. Um, I think that's what, that's what we have. That, that's what makes co-ed so compelling is we have these two competing for the throne. And okay. I know Vanessa Beery is not in there this season, but, like, again, her legacy is established, and whenever she comes back, she'll be able to add to it. But I think when she comes back, it's going to be, you know, hey, maybe she's, in fact, sharing the throne already with Sarah Parker. Which, so uh, would, would you say that Beery is like Tom Brady and Parker's like Patrick Mahomes? Well, no. Is it like, you know, Tom Brady just doesn't age. Uh, and, you no, know, no, like, we're not saying they're aging. I'm saying that from the body to You know, uh, still playing yeah. at a high level. No, but for sure. Like, Look, I mean, Sarah Parker's already she's got four all stars. She she's she's got, you know, two individual awards already as it is, right? So like we're talking about her as an upstart, but she's she's been here for a while. The thing that's missing is a championship, but we all know, Mo, I say this all the time, championships and winning is not a quarterback stat. 
it's a team stat. And I think this team is, is poised for victory. And I really like I really like what I see from her. So I'll be um, curious though. I'll be curious though, Pete, because the Murphy boys will have their tackle season begin with camps in early August. So will they be available for the stretch run of games? Because if they're not, it changes the dynamics of how their roster goes forward with their with that content of players on that team. Yeah. Um Definitely, definitely. I mean, the, the, that's the thing with roster construction, right? It's, it's especially in the summertime, who you can get out to your games, right? Yeah. So if, if they're uh, at their full squad, I think, I think that that's going to be. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. All right, looking at Division A, Division B, um, in terms of what we're seeing right now, Chernobyl. They've lost two straight games to Division B competition here, Pease, uh, and they play the All Stars this Sunday. So I'm on How- the last part. Uh, for Chernobyl, Division Chernobyl, A, Division yeah. B, yeah, they've lost two straight to Division B competition, right? Yeah, is Ryan this Reedy, but... everyone as I walked to the walked into yeah. the field, and he's like, "Well, we just wa- lost again to another Division B team, so not great." Um, so not a great should, understatement of the season. So should the panic stations be alarmed because they've lost two to Division B competition? Because in theory, we talk about Division A, Division B, they should have at least split, but they didn't. And now they sit 0-2 with the All-Stars coming up in Lachine this Sunday. And Rashi ben was there this week as a quarterback. So, so maybe... I thought, I thought Pat Chenard was quarterback for the team, uh, With even though Rashi was on the roster. For some reason, I just assumed right. Chenard was the quarterback. Uh, when I saw that Rashi actually threw in this game, I said, well, wow. I didn't, And I saw that only in the highlights on Instagram because I arrived after the game had ended. It surprised me because Rashi, of course, has... Um, a background of being a successful quarterback in FBF as does Pat Chenard, but obviously Rashi is that next step up. And for them to lose two straight games, albeit a very good competition, KGP, we do it all the time. We sell Phil Cutler short all the time and we're always wrong. And so this is yet another example. He was out of this world. He threw the one interception, but man, other than that, that's, that's as close to a flawless performance as you can get. Yeah, and Phil played a good game. Cutler played a really good game. Uh, he used his receivers, Garfinkel, very well. Uh, gave D'Amico very well. And I think the play calling was what the difference was because he read the feel when it was third downs, he converted for first downs. Um, and even when they got down a little bit, they didn't they didn't wobble. They, they kept forward and, and kept with the paces and stuff. And Jonathan Garfinkel really cut up Chernobyl's defense. And he had a really influential game in how he was able to control the narrative from his perspective. But again, I think for Chernobyl, that's a big game against the All-Stars. You lose that game, you're 0-3. And in this division for A, I know it's a small division of, of, of teams, but 0-3, not, not a good look at that point for them. Uh, when you look at uh, here for the beer, and that team led by Sean Avram, you take away Chris Meard's receiving production. Avram was only forty percent completion success with his other receivers. But was um, that more a factor of the receivers not getting open? Well, that's the thing, though. You look at this team right now, right? You got Jalen Greaves, you got Jordan Allard. Um, there are some good players, Nicky Papish included. Vince Nardone getting back into football shape. Vinny Galano, whenever he does play. Um, well, but Nardone and Galano didn't play that game. No, but the thing is, if and when they are in shape, ready to go, it's a good court. But when you look at Sean Avram, I, I just find that he he just didn't find a connection. We saw the targets that was listed. If you look at the box score in total, he did have a wealth of receivers that caught at least one ball or more. But take away Chris's numbers, 
everyone else was below 50% of the passing completion success rate from a reception to target uh, connection in that matchup. Yeah. Um, and it makes you wonder if he's like, you see seven targets going to Jordan Allard and Jordan's an exceptional athlete. Uh, only two receptions out of those seven. That's, that's what I'm great. saying. Is there is there just an issue with sort of like getting getting back into throwing and and finding a connection uh, with your receivers? I, I think okay. Again, not to use this as a, as a crutch here, but to not have um, to not have flag football for the last 16 months. Mm-hmm. Probably has stunted some teams, right? And and trying to develop that, like EZW, for example, and, and maybe for Sean Abram. But what I'll do, I'll, I'll give him a pass on this this week. But what I want to see from him moving forward is that Sean Abram that can control the storyline of this matchup. Can he author a better output of, of of passing completion numbers compared to what he did in his first game? Because again, at that division piece. You cannot be throwing 40% to your other receivers not named Chris Meard and expect to win a football game every single week. Yeah, it's, and again, it's, it's not like there wasn't talent on the field. Like you, you know, we, We've seen what Jalen Reeves can do. Uh, Dominic Benevento, another guy who's more known in the lower divisions, but we know he can compete uh, at this level. It just, you know, perhaps it was trust from Sean Abram, not, not yeah. knowing the new guys as well. Uh, maybe just trying to be too safe with the ball. And then on the other side of the ball, it's, you know, when, when you are unable to, to score at the pace that you need to, Kevin Wyeth will just do the Kevin Wyeth thing. And we saw it with All-Stars, you know, just pick pick apart uh, the team and, and not have the extra pressure of having Abram score up against them. Um, and we see we see that's exact. That's the game script, right? That That's exactly what Kevin Wyeth will always want for his team. Right. We look at the game of the week in Division A this this weekend here, please. Urgence Medic against Braves. The two best teams in the respective side of the A and B brackets. Who was this game bigger for? Because the Braves will play contraband the following week. So well, two big games for Braves, but Urgence Medic has a chance to really establish their foothold in this whole A B crossover matchup. It's only big for Braves because it's it's house money for Urgence Medic, right? So if they win, awesome. If they lose, okay, it was a Division A team. We expected that. And we think Urgence Medic will win seven or eight games this season. So it doesn't ultimately matter that much to them. Whereas if Braves were to lose this game, that's a big deal. That's a much bigger storyline. So I think it only matters for Braves at this point in the season. Well, I think for Urgence Medic, uh, they're 2 0. Uh, they did take out KGP week one. They took out Junkyard Dogs rather easily. Um, if, look, if they were to pull off the win over Braves, they got Chernobyl coming up after that, All-Stars, BYOB. So by the time we hit the halfway point of the year um, through five games, I just th- I, I think, think they the- need to, be, to win one of those three games. The, right. They'll still be three and two. And right. the, the end of their schedule is very Division B heavy. Yeah, right? so- exactly. I, I think that like they can if they win one of these three, they can still end up seven and three at the end of the season, or even eight and two. Or eight and two. They can run the table. I think they obviously can run the table. mathematically they can end up eight and two. I'm just saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's still conceivable that they'll finish seven and three or eight and two at that point, even having lost two of three games. Okay, so if they were to lose to Braves this weekend, and then we'll get to the games picks of the weeks quickly here. If they lose to the Braves this weekend here, please. If they lost by ten plus points, is that? A moral victory in their 
in the whole context of how this game plays out? Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I go back to my point, though, is I don't think the outcome... In, okay, the only time the outcome matters at all for Urjan Smedze is if they just get whipped, if they lose by 30 points. Like, that's the time where it's like, okay, well, Urjan Smedze can't compete at the next level. We were wrong about them. But in any other circumstance, even if it's a, you know, a full touchdown or 10 points or whatever it is, right. I think, um, I think again, it doesn't ultimately mean that much at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the next two games against the Bay appoint- opponents will mean much more if you build this in as a loss. Okay. And if you win, right. then, you know, it only matters for Braves at that point. Well, Braves got contraband the following week, and that could yeah. be a huge matchup with two undefeated teams moving towards week four. Eagle, it is now time for... Games of the Week! It is not. It is not time for Games of the Week, Eagle. What is it time for? This segment has been rebranded. That's right. set you up. He did you dirty. Exactly. This, uh, this segment... We, we now, because we're doing different things, we want to clip different items to make them available as shorter clips so for people who don't have time to consume the entire podcast. And if you want to laugh at our terrible picks for your teams and you disagree about who we pick, we're putting it into a nice, neat package. So rather than doing a little bit of analysis, we're front-loading the show with a lot of analysis. And instead, we're just making quick picks. And each week, we'll put out all of our picks on social media so you can... Uh, Come to us at the field and complain about why we didn't choose your team. It's like a loot bag. Here's the answer. It's because we hate you personally. All right, here we go. All right, let's go with Division A and B first. Uh, So we have KGP versus Get Off RD. KGP. KGP. BYOB versus Junkyard Dogs. BYOB. Eagle, did you not put the music in or are you doing it in post? I'll do it in post. Okay. Worse. I mean, I can do it now. <laughs> no, fine, fine. fine. You want it now? It's fine. Yes, please. I don't care. Wait, I no, want I to know because it's the first time to do the segment. I insist. There. There we go. Ready? I'm ready. You good? Yeah. All-Stars, Chernobyl. All-Stars. All-Stars. Contraband, here for the beers. Contraband. Contraband. Urgence Magic, Braves. 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 And let's go Division C now. So for our first game, if the hover would ever work. We have Silence Ticklers, B-Ballers. I'm going to go with B-Ballers. Top Sauce, Easy W. Oh, big game. Top Sauce. Easy W. We're going to go Les Centaurs and Sheesh. Sheesh. I'm going to go with Sheesh as well. You can say it properly. Sheesh. Les Gros Cuck versus the Infantry. Infantry. Infantry for me. And in a back-to-back game. Wait, wait, didn't we pick? Yeah, yeah, infantry. Okay. Yeah, and in a back-to-back game, the infantry versus mangoes. Infantry. Infantry wins both. Blessed balls deep. Blessed. Blessed. And blue dreamers versus the South Harmon Institute of Technology. Blue dreamers. Blue, de- blue dreamers, please. Division D. Bruins tough lungs. I'm That's a good Bruins. game. That's a good game. I'm gonna go Bruins. I'm going tough lungs. The leftovers clinkers. Leftovers. Leftovers for me, yeah. Arush, Loyola. I don't know anything about Loyola. They didn't show up, so Arush. Uh, Kiss My End Zone, Glow Gang. So I don't know what what the final roster is for Kiss My End Zone. For that reason, I'm going Glow Gang, but that's the only reason. 
Uh, I'm going to go kiss my end zone because Glogang quarterback is questionable. Tuts and parleys, blackouts. Tuts. Blackouts for me. Tuts and parleys. Oh, okay. You got to get both picks, Eagle. I can hear him at the same. Uh, replacements, Johnny Fireball. Johnny Ooh. Fireball. Replacements, question. Hot Sauce Sports and Lockdown. Can't pick it, but Hot Sauce Sports by 50. I can pick it. I got Hot Sauce winning this game. All right. uh, based on your <laughs> based on your record you with the weather, we'll lose. Thanks, Mo. Can we can we can we hear that clip of Eagle? All right, all right, all right. All right. The okay. Stoics Jeez. or Stoics as I like to call them, Mean Girls. Ooh, this is a good game. I'm gonna go Mean Girls. girls. Yeah. Uh, Los Siete Amigos Voodoo. Voodoo. So Voodoo had the game forfeit, but I'm gonna stick with Voodoo on this one. Vultures, Sparrows, Legion. Vultures for me. Sparrow Legion. Top season, PDs and Negronis. Top season. Top season. It'll be a good game, though. It'll be close. Ball in 60s, Trap Stars. Trap Stars for me. Yeah, I'm going to go with Trap Stars in this one. Les Bleu Branleur, pardon my swipe. PMS. Uh, LBB. The new guys, Fighting Alini. <laughs> fighting Alini. This, this is a really good game. Yeah, actually. agreed. The better games this week are actually in the lower divisions. I'm going with the new guys. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to Fighting Alini. Division E, Quantrium F FC, save the Turftles. Um, Quantrium the FC, uh, get over yourself with your name. Give me save the Turftles. Uh, Ravens, the Bad Batch. Ravens. Wait a minute. Hold on, Peace. You're going against your team. I am. <laughs> the Ravens are really good. I'm going with the Ravens. They're really good. Uh... Next one, Oscars Hockey School, V-Town. You know I'm taking the hockey school, brother. 3-0, baby. V-Town. I don't know if it's Three an upset, but upset. V-Town. 3-0. Brewers no, and Les Chevaliers du Rohan. Brewers. Um, Brewers. Suicide Squad, Menace to Sobriety. SS. Menace to Sobriety. Green means go, balls deep. Green means go. Balls deep. Blast from the past, Trailer Park Boys. Uh, if they show up, Trailer Park Boys. I'll take Blast from the past. Dilly Dilly, Lay Me Thick. Lay Me Thick are really good. I'm going Lay Me Thick. I'm going Dilly Dilly on this one. Pinchellos, Rainmakers. 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 Melons, Oreos. Oreos. Given the choice between fruit and Oreos, I'm going Oreos. Yeah. And we got Coed, La Sect versus the Fantastic Nine. Fantastic Nine. Fantastic. Les semi croquants and party mix. Party mix. Sriracha hot chili sauce versus yin and yang. Yin and yang. I'm with Sriracha. And last game, third down for what versus the Fighting Tigers. I think third down for what? Send the Fighting Tigers to Owen. Yeah, the Fighting Galenas are going to be toothless. So give me a third down for what? Sheesh. There we go. Okay. Those are games of the week. No longer. So, a reminder, please tag us on all the social media platforms if you have highlight stories from an FPF day or weekend that you might be there. Because we really want this to be as interactive as possible so we get everyone involved because this is a big league. It's a lot of teams to cover. And unfortunately for Pease, Eagle, and I, we can't be at 10 places at once. So, you are our eyes and ears on how you see things from the FPF fields. Uh, on a weekly day, on any given day of the week. Absolutely. Agreed, Mo. 
All right. Um, yeah. Okay. We'll do two do two weeks. Still here. Yeah, still here. Still here. Still here. But I'll be back in studio soon, though, when I get my second shot. I can't wait, dude. Already just one of us being here, it makes for a much better shirt. Are, are you wearing yeah. an All-Star shirt, Mo? I am. Yes, I am. Uh, this is my shirt. Hey, there's a team called All-Stars. I thought that you weren't supposed to no, show your biases. No, you got team a long time ago. Yeah, you're not supposed no, to show no, your biases. That's poor form. I know. Let's redo the show again. Let's start from the beginning. I'll go get another t-shirt. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, do you think I'm not lead enough as it is. Do you think the All-Stars team is the weakest iteration of Montreal's <laughs> finest? Oh, I think it is. Absolutely. It is, man. That's your problem. All right. Magic words, please. I don't Almost recommend... Here. Okay. I had a good one. Okay, sorry. I don't recommend working on your anniversary. Oh, yeah, that's true. Happy to your anniversary, uh, Nat and uh, Peeves. Uh, good night. Good night, good night, good night, good night, good night, Spain. <laughs> Sorry, Chris.